Welcome back to Kiwi Innovators. I'm very grateful to be able to have a, uh, a remote video conference conversation with a good friend of mine, Simon Friend, the senior solution architect at Soul Machines. If you don't know about Soul Machines, I'd suggest you look it up. But what we talk about beyond Simon's background is where the direction of digital people are going. And I really think that they are going to fit a niche in our society that takes a lot of drudgery work off of a lot of people. So I really do believe that digital avatars and digital humans are the future. So without any further ado, the interview with Simon Friend. Uh, So welcome back to the Kiwi Innovators podcast. I am sitting here with Simon Friend, who I met, has it, it's been over a year, hasn't it? Almost two? Yeah, yeah about, about, just over a year. Yeah. yeah. Who is, uh, is it okay if I call you the lead solution architect for Soul Machines? In the rest of the world region. <laughs> yes. And we're going to talk about some really cool stuff today. So let's go ahead and kick that off now. So I have a series of questions, Simon, that I that I use to kind of lead the conversation through, but uh, it, we can we can go far afield. I recorded a podcast with Pim that I'm still editing because we ended up talking about gold prices and what and where the yeah we, we, we went real far afield. But where where I like to start is and and I heard this on another podcast that I listened to quite a bit is to start with an origin story. So mm. why don't you, I mean, you and I have talked a little bit about your background, but why don't you give me your, you know, your story of how you got to where you are? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, as my colleagues would say, I, I like to tell a story. So if it's about myself, even better. But, um, <laughs> look, it, it's funny because I'm like, I just turned 40, 45 on the weekend. So I've been Congratulations. Like, Thank you. I've been around for a little while, so I'm an 80s child. Um, so primary school in, in the 80s was really the birth time of, you know, PCs at home, right? You know, yeah. Um, that's what, and I, I, I remember, um, I think it must have been about 1985 or 84, my parents came home one day with this big box, this huge, well, a couple of big boxes. I'm like, well, you know, what is this? And I unpacked it. There's this huge big square monitor that had four colours, believe it or not, and this other huge box. It was a, a, a Sanyo IBM compatible computer. Um, nice. It had a double disk drive, which was quite fancy for the time. The, the, the old floppy, the, the real floppy big disk or whatever, but the, the double disk drive was great because you could have the boot disk in one and, and the actual game or yeah. word process in the other and um, I, I guess I just I took to it straight away I've never seen a computer before I've never played with one before um, my parents were very big on education so you know there was a couple of games but you know a lot of them were education based but very quickly I actually taught myself to programming basic I don't, I don't even know how I started I just found it in the manuals and thought oh what's this and even back then I was a logical thinker so I would write some basic programming and found my way around you, and I guess I was I was hooked you remember those DOS based games like uh, Gorilla where you would yeah. throw the bananas at each other yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> uh, yeah. you know my favourite game and it, you know and, it, and it being now 
uh, uh, vintage, I suppose, and you know, we're all a bit um, drawn to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series. So we had my favourite game was a text-based game of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. I can't bring packaging with all these bits and pieces and the don't panic button and all those sort of things, but I could never finish it. I, I always got to this point where bloody Zaphod wouldn't let me through this door. And I did, did, no matter what I tried, I could never get through, get through the door. To this day, it drives me mad that I never finished it. So well, I'll have to find it. So it sounds like you started into computers early on, but you went to university for civil engineering. How did that transition back into technology? Yeah, it's a good question. So, I mean, I guess through high school we did a bit of computers. We yeah. had the, the Apple IIEs and two Cs or whatever they were, and we could get a turtle to draw squares on the screen and whatever. Yeah. There was no windows. Um, I, so computers wasn't even thought of as a, as a career. Yeah. Then, so, and I was always sort of technically minded and loved my Legos and all that sort of stuff. So I don't know. I think probably my parents influenced me greatly to go into engineering as as, the, as they do. So I got to. You have uh, to make money. <laughs> it yeah, has yeah, to. Yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. play games. <laughs> yeah, get your degree and then you can do whatever you want. You know? I'm like, oh yeah, 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 okay, you know. So engineering back then where I studied at Monash University was the first year was a common year so what that meant is you know you had your maths your science but then you did one unit of each of the different types of engineering chemical civil mechanical I always thought I was going to be a mechanical engineer I loved it but I basically all but failed mechanical engineering I think I scraped through Um, and the one thing I wasn't going to do for sure was civil engineering but I got like 90% oh wow Hmm. I guess I'm going to be a civil engineer. Well, it's, and so universities in the states are that way too, and, and it's usually the first year or two you can be what's called undecided. Okay. And then you, so you take those basic maths and histories and English and stuff, but you can yeah. take electives in various different fields and kind of feel out where you want to be, and then yeah. the two years after that you you know drill down and focus on what you want to deliver so i was really surprised because new zealand's not like that at all i think it was just engineering and it may have only just been monash i mean for, for me clearly it was the best thing because yeah because you would have you would have gone through three four years of mechanical engineering realized it wasn't yeah. for you and had to start over with civil engineering or whatever else and that's so my my oldest one she was going to uh, be a computer graphics designer and she got three years into it and she had to choose on day one and she got yeah she got three years through it and she goes i don't i don't like this i'm miserable and she's ended up changing to early childhood education and she's essentially had to start university all over again yeah i mean any i think anyone who goes to university that first six months is crazy yeah so different from school yeah I literally scraped through without dropping out and, you know, um, you have no idea what you're doing. No. No, no idea. Yeah. But after a year, you find your friends, you know, you, you find your group, you find your clique, you find your groove. Yeah. And then then off you go. I mean, civil engineering was one of the hardest courses in my opinion. We were working seven days a week. Oh, yeah. It was, it, it was nuts, but I loved every minute of it. Yeah, I've got several friends that did civil engineering, and I have great respect for the material science stuff that you have to be able to do to do true civil engineering is spectacular. So it's civil engineering is not an easy field to no, to do. No. So what yeah. was the transition from? So you yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got a civil engineering job, right? Yeah, yeah. As you I, do. My first, my first job was working at a big sewage plant that worked that 
process 45% of Melbourne's waste. So literally one of my jobs was to go around and open the primary settlement sewage tanks and, and write down the levels of the sewage that day. So this is how my career starts. If you, if you ever think you've smelled something bad, you ain't got nothing on that. I've seen, I've seen literally shit and smelt shit that you could not possibly imagine. So, so, so the pivot to technology was, uh, I've got to get away from that. Well, it was kind of, I mean, I did that for three months and then I got um, headhunted by a consulting engineering firm. And the two years there, and I won't mention their name, put me off working as an engineer for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I actually took off towards the end of that. I took off for three months. I was about 22, travelled the world snowboarding for three months. Oh, nice. Um, and just explored the world and had no idea about the world, but it was cool and then when I came back um, as a lot of people do after going on one trip realise that they need to quit their job Yeah. Um, and it was at the height of the 99 IT boom at the start when you know every Tuesday in the paper over here there would be a lift out of jobs and we're talking 10 pages of IT jobs yeah. screaming at me to get into this field so I applied for a job at a little consulting firm that had about 30 people. They'd never hired an engineer before. It had always been IT, but they were desperate. Yeah. Um, I had to pass their logic tests, so I passed that, and um, they hired me. And so, I, you know, day one I was at a, at a, uh, so it's a consulting company. Day one they put me out at an engineer at a energy company fixing Y2K bugs. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Um, so snowboarding, huh? I was on a video call with Robert Hollis from uh, New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. He's been doing a lot of business consulting lately, but yeah, he's got a, he done a lot of, his claim to fame is snowboarding back in the day before they had the newer snowboards like they do yeah. now today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was a passion for me. I've been many different countries and snowboarding. I'm far from a professional, but I'm, um, it was my number one passion for a long time. Yeah. Pre-kids, of course. Uh, even when my wife was six months pregnant with her first, I was in Queenstown jumping out of helicopters to yeah. everybody and stuff. So, Very nice. Uh, that was really good. But yeah, so I worked in this consulting company, this little company called DWS for eight and a half years, and it went from 30 people to about 500. Um, then I joined another smaller company, which went from 20 people to 175,000 people around the world because we just kept getting bought out. Yeah. 18 months ago, I, I, that my last 18 months at, at um, DXC, they called, I um, yeah, yeah. got into the, the AI side of things. So we were trying to start an AI practice and I was fortunate enough to be picked as part of that practice and got heavily into the IBM Watson stuff. We did some great projects um, and then I wanted to move on from the big consulting global consulting this little company called soul machines and um as soon as like the first interview i had with them i was just super keen yeah. to, to go and work for them so that's a very long no story, no, no no that's it's that's very, it's good it shows yeah it shows kind of uh, uh, the progression and we'll get into soul machines i'm sure in a little bit but so obviously you guys have been in a little bit of lockdown over there in australia we've been a, a pretty heavy lockdown here in New Zealand but so I gotta ask are, are you doing daily rituals to just keep your sanity and, and make sure uh, <laughs> yeah, what oh, yeah. what does it look oh, like for you well 
often these days I'm an avid surfer and I need exercise to stay sane. Like without exercise, um, my wife will test, I get pretty grumpy. So exercise is the key for me. And being a Melbourneite, um, coffee is, a, is another yeah. key thing. Mind you, I only started drinking coffee about six months ago, um, which is a very <laughs> odd thing in Melbourne. And when I was in sales for a couple of years, when you go to a sales meeting and you order an orange juice, and they look at you weird. Fine. They do. They, they honestly do. So, but so now the, the daily ritual is um, me and the family. So my wife, my six-year-old, and my one-year-old, we we get out. We we go for a walk for an hour, which results in a, a takeaway coffee somewhere. Yeah. And then we come back, and we um, we've been very fortunate here until today. Um, the weather has been beautiful, so it's really. And then in the afternoon, I'll do my own exercise. I'll go for a walk or, yeah. or something. But I'm dying for a surf. Yeah, the cafes have been shut for the last four weeks here in New Zealand. So I've been I've been living on pod coffee, and I have to say, it's not <laughs> it's it's not what I want. <laughs> so, like you, you had no takeaway or anything. No, nothing. Wow. So they opened it back up. Uh, we went to level three Monday to Tuesday at midnight. Um, wow. So the any place that can do takeaway is doing takeaway, and they're doing touchless delivery. And I did see a couple cafes that were open. You had to order it online, mm-hmm. and then you came up, and one at a time you would come up and pick up your coffee to walk away. I haven't done it yet, but I had to get some stuff. You can see my office in the background is in the process of being renovated, and I, I ran out of materials over the break, so I haven't been able to fix it. <laughs> so I had to go to the... Wow. the um, hardware store and, and pick some stuff up which meant I had to order it online and then I had to go at a scheduled time to pick it up and then of course I show up there and, and the scheduled time is not really scheduled it's scheduled and then stand in line for however long I stand in line for <laughs> I think our boss and I'm sure it's a well known stat, stat but I didn't know it like before this you know, e-commerce accounted for ten percent of all sales. And yeah. Apparently, it's heading towards fifty percent. So, you imagine the businesses that have to adjust. I know. Um, I ordered some Lego for myself. Yeah. Um, a, a couple of days ago, this big tech with Lego thing, and um, from Target over here, and they um, just cancelled my order. I uh, just, I go, ah, oh, that's exactly what I've ordered. The Land Rover. Yeah, that's exactly. I was so excited. It, it, I got this email saying. Uh, three days later, it's been cancelled, and then an email three minutes later saying your order is currently being processed. So I'm like, okay, it's a cancelled or processed. Yeah. So then I then I tried to call. Seventy minutes later, um, I got through, and the guy said, oh yeah, your order's been cancelled. Okay. Why? I don't know. <laughs> can you uncancel it? Um, maybe you can reorder it, but this time use a different credit card or at least a different email. Why? Oh, because sometimes. It, it, it just needs a different email. No, I'm not going to do that because it was on the sale and it was sixty-three dollars cheaper. Well, let me look into it and get back to you. That was twenty-four hours. Ago. Yeah, that so, it's. You know. I th- I think we're going to see. I think e-commerce. It's interesting, and I've posted a couple times on link, LinkedIn about this. The idea that COVID is driving digital transformation. I think we're going to see enhancements in people's e-commerce sites but also enhancement in in their call centers because the days of i'll just hire the you know the lowliest people i can get to answer the phones and do stuff is 
just not going to be doable, especially if you look and you're above 50% of your business is coming in via e-commerce and then you're having to service those people. It's going to be. So that's a nice segue. <laughs> well, it's like we find it. I don't know. Into digital personas, mm. digital people, digital persons. So you said you've been at uh, Soul Machines for 18 months now, year and a half? Um, almost. Yeah, almost. Almost a year and a half. So, what what's that been like? I mean, Soul Machines has been in the in the press quite a bit lately with some really exciting stuff. Uh, the stuff they did with Will I Am, some of the banking stuff out of the Middle East, the, the stuff you and I did in New Zealand for the New Zealand Police. Um, how's that been? I, look, it's honestly bloody exciting in consulting. So it's nice to be on the product side. Yeah. Um, it's honestly the first job that I've loved that does bring a different type of stress. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, because you, you want to keep outperforming and you want to do everything yeah. perfectly and you want to you know, so you put all this pressure on yourself. And, you, and being a startup, although it's a big startup, it's not always possible. I mean, we, you know, from firsthand experience with that. Yeah, I mean, we can't yeah. just get all the things that we, we don't have all the tools that we need and we don't have all the resources we need. Yeah. But at the same time, I like that. I like the, the, the crazy and, and the chaos and I'm happy to put my hand up and go, you know, I'll do something that's not part of my job to make a difference. Um, and all that aside, the technology is damn cool. Yeah. Um, I ne- I'll never forget the first conference I did um, with Soul Machines, um, where we had a stand, where I was actually at a stand, was at IBM Think in Sydney last year, and it was quite startling to see the impact it had. Because you, being involved in the company, it's like anything, you can become a little bit numb to it at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it has on people, because you, you see it every day. Yeah, you forget, you forget what it was like the first time you interacted with yeah. Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. So, so at this conference, you know, we had a big TV up, and we had um, Leah, who's based on, who's a digital twin of a, a real actress in, in New Zealand. We, we just had her up on the screen, and he, the reaction of people walking past, they would stop and they'd look, and they'd come back, and a lot of them said, "Ah, oh, is this just video conferencing?" Yeah. Like, no, she's not a real person. They'd go, "What?" And then, you know, you start talking. We had government ministers come over. And we yeah. Had, yeah, at one stage, uh, my colleague Ben took a photo and I had about 20 people deep around me just wanting to get in. And even the funniest thing was even when I was when I was packing up, you know, I had a plane to catch and then conference finished at five and, you know, beers would start for anyone to get around. And I reckon at five o'clock, on one hand I had a beer, the other hand I was trying to pack up, but at the same time I was still talking to five or six people. Yeah. I'm trying to do all this stuff to get to the plane. So it was, it was astonishing to me and, and really cool like, you know yeah. it's great it's fun to talk to people about yeah so for you what's been the biggest challenge in the developing the digital persons the biggest challenge is probably just balancing my workload to be honest yeah. and we had a spate last year I mean it's, it's a good problem to have you know, last year we had a bunch of different clients in the rest of the world region that I look after for sort of all going live at once and all needing something yeah, um, yeah. I don't like to let anyone down that's part of my personality I know that that, that failing is, is cool at the moment and you learn lots of stuff and, and that's what I don't I still don't like to fail yeah, so yeah. It's really I'm there with been, you yeah it's just it's just managing that work and keeping all that I take it personally when things 
don't go as, as, as planned. So just balancing all of that. Um, but we got through it and I think we did some amazingly successful launches and we learnt a lot and we've, we've developed a lot of new materials that should make things easier for both the client side and our side. Very cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, so wh- where do you see the future capability going? I mean, are you know... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've just recently seen a, a couple things online where some people playing with very simple, not Soul Machines quality, but very simple digital persons as avatars within video conference calls. And I mean, how long we're going to be in this physical distancing scenario? I don't, you know, in and out. But where do you see the future direction going? Is it more on the assistant side or is it more on the digital twinning side of people it's a really good question it's hard to say i mean if you think about like the film and television industries and and the, and the culture of celebrity i suppose um you know a lot of them are out of work right now yeah you know they can't they can't make new tv shows they can't make new films or it's difficult to make so they lose you know this this interaction that they have with their fans which ultimately pay their huge salaries yeah so, you know i know for a fact they're looking at new ways of interacting so the digital twin you know that the will i am stuff um, i don't know what he's doing with that um but it makes a lot of sense and, yeah you know I always, I always talk about imagine having a digital twin of lebron james would be yeah. amazing um, well know, isn't there so, a so that's isn't there a movie coming out with a James Dean digital twin in it? There could be, yeah, yeah. I vaguely remember that. I don't know anything about it, but yeah, there's, you know, there's a whole raft of that side. Yeah. But then you're right, there's there's the other side, and and people, you know, the world's going to be different yeah. coming out of this. Uh, you know, I don't think it'll be put back together the same way, and I don't think that, that certainly don't think that's a bad thing. I've been doing a, not a lot, some consulting work on the VR, AR side. And I've just recently been digging into a product called Remotely HQ, which is kind of a, it's a VR based meeting place type thing. So you go to a planet where your team meets and, you know, you're walking around and you, you can actually meet and interact. It supports full view. I think. I don't, they don't have the full VR up and running yet. So if, if we go to all the trouble to build a place for us to meet, and then if we have a static avatar that helps us with stuff, that's stupid. If we have a digital person as an avatar, so we need help with something and we go, hey, can we have some help with this? And the digital person pops up and gives us the help we need. So that, I think you're right. I think there is there is some value to the digital twinning that's going to happen. And so the assistant I, I wanted to get your take because I'm I'm with you I think it's it's going to be a 50-50 thing and I don't think we have a a moment where we said no 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 this is the direction this is the killer use case right now we're right in the middle where both those use cases seem valid and viable mm. and it may continue that way for a while but mm. yeah mm. And, and I mean the fact is you mentioned call centers before and e-commerce but it can't scale to the side they need the size they need to be. No. So, you know, and, and you know, we know that whole call centers are being wiped out at the moment. Yeah. So they need this technology and, and you know, we've we know that people would prefer speaking to a digital person than just a text based chat box. It's not Oh absolutely. Well and, and and that's one of the things that I've you know, I've done some consulting work around call centers and contact centers and 
on phones, so audio-only com- uh, calls with them, people are very abusive. And, and one, they don't get good outcomes from the contact center because they're not approaching it the same way. And two, it makes the, the quality of life for the contact center person really horrid in their job. As soon as you throw video into it, as soon as it's a it's a video, people treat that better because they see a person. And, and so you're right. If you could scale that digital person to do contact center services, uh, that's potentially a, a massive game changer in, in the direction both for contact centers but also for this idea of a digital person. I did at one of the government agencies over here. I raised this idea of what if you could learn from your very best call center agent and build a knowledge base using that very best call center agent. And that knowledge base drove a triaging call center service in a digital human. And they were like, oh, we hadn't thought of that. And I was like, yeah, that's, I mean, you've got to leverage, you still are going to need those high touch, high value interactions with a real person. But you should, it should be a learning mechanism that feeds back into the system as it goes through. So, Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I, I know that you and I both can work remotely, and I know that you work on a massive number of projects remotely, but during this global whatever we're in, I'm sure you've had a little bit more downtime than than we've previously had, you and I, because you aren't traveling the way you usually do. Mm. So are, are you reading books, listening to podcasts? What, what are you filling the time with other than walking? <laughs> It's, it's, it's interesting one isn't it I've, um, I've never been um, I've never been a podcast person yeah. but I have just started so I'm um, missing like look over here Aussie Rules football is, is massive like, yeah. quite frankly it's a, a, a religion and I'm a, and I'm a big follower but two of the very famous footballers from the past from the, the club Essendon that I follow have just started their own podcast on, on a Wednesday um, and I heard snippets of it and it's the first podcast I've ever yeah. subscribed to um, this will be the second one and uh, <laughs> I thoroughly enjoy it like when I go yeah. to my daily walks I listen to it and you know people must think I'm a bit weird because I walk down the street and I'm laughing my head off and, yeah. you know thoroughly enjoyable so the club have had to pivot how do they reconnect how do they keep connection with their member base because over here the clubs are owned by the members that's right they're yeah. not owned by a private entity so if they don't have a membership they don't exist so they're trying to find this and, and i've found it really interesting so i'm doing that i, I always read a lot um yeah. the other thing me and my wife bought us is i think we bought the last nintendo switch device in the whole country <laughs> we had to drive an hour and a half to buy it um and to be frank we just finished mario last night after oh, two weeks of playing nice so, We've, uh, we were a bit reluctant to get one just because, you know, we didn't want our sons to be done to it too much, but uh, we've uh, thoroughly enjoyed getting back into the world of video games like a lot of people obviously have as well. To, to get my kids, um, to give them something to do besides, because when you and I were growing up, you'd watch one episode of a TV show and then you had to wait a week. My son, who's four, he goes on to Netflix and he binge watches, you know, Lion King TV show, whatever it is on, on Netflix or on Disney Plus. So I had to get something that was more interactive. So we got Animal Crossing New Horizon. Yeah. 
yeah, it's been a it's been a little bit of an. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still play video games. A lot of the VR stuff I do, the entry into that is video games. So there's been a whole bunch of VR stuff that I've been doing that started at video games and then built into, you know, these are what businesses can do with the VR stuff. But yes, yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting because I've been I've got about 22 podcasts that I don't find time to get to when I want to get to. And my partner, she's been giving me a really hard time about it. And about two weeks ago, she's a big Scrubs fan. She mm-hmm. loves Scrubs. Right, she, I think she's binge watched the entire thing like five or six times, which is saying something because it's it's quite a few seasons. The stars have started a podcast where they they watch an episode and then they talk about the stuff that was going on behind the scenes the whole time. And she goes, okay, I get it. I, I understand why you listen to podcasts now because she's absolutely enthralled. She Every week she tunes in and listens to it. So that's kind of... So I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I do have one bonus question for you. Good. So I, I try and do this with with everybody that I do an interview with. So in the last, we're not going to talk about Trump in the States. I, I'm not going to talk about Trump in the States. And in fact, I don't talk politics or religion pretty much with anybody because there's no point. But under the Obama administration, he started a new policy in the United States where you could submit a petition to this website and then the whole country could could put onto the petition whether they liked it or didn't like it. And if it got 10,000 likes, he would investigate and either, you know, it, it gave the the citizens to feel like that they had some input into the direction the government was going and, and the initiatives they were going. There was one initiative that got loaded up to it that was that the United States should build the Death Star. And it received more than 10,000 votes. I think it, it was the second highest number of votes of any project that got put on the website. And the Obama administration looked into it, and they actually came back and said they couldn't do it. The resources and the money required would have been greater than the entire GDP of the United States and a whole bunch of stuff. But my question to you is, would you have voted for the Death Star? Um, no. No, as much as I would like to see it. Trump would have destroyed the moon. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, probably. That's the problem. You you put it in the wrong hands. It's always that thing. You know, you put something in the wrong hands, and who knows what they're going to do with it. You know, um, yeah, no. I have to say, so you're in the minority, but the minority that you're in is a very high class minority because I did an interview with a distinguished engineer from IBM, and he was in the same exact boat. His reasons were very aligned to your reasons, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, can I leave as something for you to ponder and maybe discuss with other? Or yeah, yeah. With other Please. Is, um, imagine if this happened, this whole coronavirus thing happened before Netflix. Oh so yeah. Video stores, video stores are still open. Imagine the chaos. Oh yeah. Blockbuster. Oh yeah. All of that stuff. It would be fascinating to think about, go back 10 years and try and imagine what it would be like. Well, it's a lot more difficult. What was it? There was a there was a post on LinkedIn that someone had put, imagine if this had happened before the iPhone. All of us would be on our little flip phones trying to do stuff like we're doing, and it would just be, I mean, I, I don't want to say that, you know, it, it's an alignment, but I think 
I think the technology has put us in a place where it's we're not as bad off as we would have been. So let's see if let's see if the economy can bounce back on the other side of this because that's that's the thing that keeps me awake at night is, is what's going to happen with the economy in the next step. Mm-hmm. So, so thank you again. I really do appreciate thank you. it. Yeah. Well, that was a, a brilliant talk with Simon. His background is in civil engineering is an interesting place to start, but it sounds like he was always meant to end up in technology. He makes a lot of really good points about digital humans, and I do thank him very much for taking the time to do this this call with me, being that he had to be very quiet not to wake his children up. Otherwise, he was going to get yelled at by his partner. So thank you again, Simon. And as always, if you think of anything or want to me to interview someone or want to hear something from me or want me to talk about a particular technology or business outcome, please reach out to me and tell me. And for those that have, thank you very much. And I will continue to try and bring you quality content. Thank you, everyone. Cheers.